Good morning, afternoon, or night, everyone. Coming to you from the VCG broadcast booth, I'm Verve Coach Gordon, and you're listening to Big Picture You, the podcast where wellness practices and concepts meet practical application and real-life example. A quick mention of the ping I use for transitions. Some of you may have already heard this, but for new listeners, and I'm really happy that we are picking up new listeners weekly, it is tuned to the love frequency. Since love is the 11th energy of the verve and the overarching energy of the verve, it seemed like a good idea to use that tone. I can give you a greater explanation if you reach out to me at gordon at vervecoach.com. I like to share these tidbits of information as a way of connecting the dots relative to harmony and well-being, as all of this is about a lifestyle wherein wonderful details and information all merge to create a truly great and empowering big picture you, me, and us. A lot of these dots are also connected to an identity component or facet that may or may not exist in harmony. Bringing us back to today's fifth podcast episode, Identity Components or Opponents. Thanks a lot for listening in and for the great comments on episode four from the Mouths of Mommies and the song Those Eyes. Got a lot of really great feedback on that episode. And our next episode will be a tribute to dads. It'll be called Father's Fantastic. And we'll be getting some comments from community members on their fathering experience. A quick mention of the theme song today, and again, I'll be using a different song each episode, one of my own songs relative to the theme, and at the end of the broadcast, the song will play through in its entirety. And I'll talk a little bit more about today's theme song later in the broadcast. The song today is called Durango, and it does have something to do with the identity-based focus of the show today. And some of this episode's content does indeed relate to cultural identity as well. But first, I wanted to speak a bit on the current police dynamic surrounding the killing of George Floyd. I was reading an article in a headline earlier today where it was talking about officers joining the protesters in their walk or else taking a knee on the sides of the streets where the protesters were walking. Now, these dynamics do have a lot to do with identity and digging in to find your identity facets, leading us to create more accurate and positive values that break down stereotyping and prejudice that lead to hate behaviors. And I'm going to be doing an entire episode on the processes related to bigotry, stereotyping, xenophobia, and prejudicial and hate behaviors in a future episode. I've done a lot of trainings in facilitated sessions on these topics. I'll also get into a little bit of the science of the brain related to creating broad generalizations. Now, this is some fascinating stuff about how our brain fills in the blanks because we simply don't have the processing power to take it all in and make something of it. I'd also like to share a story today about a young black man in one of my college classes. I had mentioned in the first couple of episodes of the podcast that I'd gone back to college a little over a decade ago, and that set me on my current path. But um, this story about a young man in my class who was beaten very severely by a group of white police officers and ended up winning quite a large financial settlement, but money does not uh, cure 
all ills. We got into a little tiff in one of my college classes where we were learning about privatized prisons, um, the government promising a certain number of beds full, and how that related to inequitable conviction rates. At one point, someone in the class said, when does the serve and protect part come in? And I said defensively, whenever you call 911, that's when that comes in, and mentioned a bit about my father's police background and coming from a uh, multi-generational police family. And the fellow who had been beaten said, well, in my neighborhood, we don't call the police ever, even if somebody's kicking our door in. And I just could not believe that. That's not my reality. So I contradicted him and we got into a little shouting match. And I think it might have come to fisticuffs if the teacher had not cooled things down. When the class ended, we met outside the classroom and he told me in detail his story. And I told him that I believe my father was a man of integrity and I still believe that. And I told him also that my father was not a batterer or an abuser, but I could not hold my emotions and uh, had a little bit of an emotional breakdown there right in the hallway with a lot of young students walking by wondering what the heck is going on here. Um, so we talked and we walked out of the class and walked across the campus, had a nice chat. And a couple of days later, I saw him in class again and he asked me if I wanted to play one of my songs at an event he was hosting with the student organization for the NAACP and Coloradans for Alternatives to the Death Penalty. So in all of that, we struck some common ground, we drew up a little friendship, and we did some good work together. I ended up performing my song called Touch, and I'll be using that as a theme song down the road for an episode. Part of the lyrics say, touch me with your kindness, and I won't walk away from you. So many times, conflict can actually bring about positive change. Try to stick to the peaceful, avoid the violent. And I'll talk a little bit more about my dad later in this episode and expand on him even more in the next episode, Father's Fantastic. But in terms of our focus on identity in this episode, I believe it's super helpful if we look inside and ask ourselves a few guiding questions to start the ball rolling, as they say. First question, who am I? Pretty broad. But we'll be breaking that down in this episode and following episodes, just how to get an answer to that question. Now, I know if I asked my beautiful wife this question about myself, she would have plenty to say, believe me. Second question, where do outside influences remove me from my positive path and my peace? Question number three, am I true to myself, thus to others? Truth is the energy of the verb number six, and the 11 energies are a great platform of foundational and positive values. Through these questions, as in many of my trainings and sessions, we are already seeing how things cross over and are interdependent and interactive, creating the basis for a truly amazing big picture you, big picture me, and big picture us. As you may know, or may not know, 
or have gleaned through these podcast episodes that I have had many strong women as influencers in my life, and I'll talk about a few more in a moment as related to some seemingly conflicting identity components, but I've also had very strong male influencers in my life, and we will be paying tribute to a couple of those and hearing from dads about their dad experience in episode 6 of Big Picture You. Fathers Fantastic. If you fathers wish to provide comments, please reach out to me at info at vervecoach.com. You can do the same with questions, issues, suggestions for interviews, or ideas for future programs. Or you can go to my website at www.vervecoach.com to get more details on me and what I do, as well as finding a contact form. The Big Picture You podcast series is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Google Podcasts, Overcast, Radio Republic, and Breaker. You can also find links to the files at my website. Just click the media page menu item and you can find them on my YouTube channel as well. In episode five of the Big Picture You podcast series, we're asking the question, identity components or opponents? Seemingly conflicting identity facets or components that live within us. Now, I've asked a lot of young students in trainings if we have just one identity facet, and most times the answer is no. So they are already hip to the notion of multiple and shifting identity facets. So again, we're asking the question, do these facets complement each other or are they at odds with one another? Now, by way of some explanation toward negotiating these various facets or components, I did write a paper in college that got me my summa cum laude Latin honors about managing what I call oxymoronic identity components. And that is an original title. I will say I definitely had uh, some coaching on that title from my professor, which helped a great deal and came up with some new terminology for the uh, business of identity research and analysis. The paper is all about navigating and negotiating challenges and learning experiences while creating behavioral patterns that allow you to address and reduce conflict. Now, there's a basic difference that I was told between navigating and negotiating. Navigating is getting through obstacles, going around them, while negotiating is directly confronting and overcoming. So, navigating and negotiating. All of this identity work is also about finding internal harmony. And in my case, helping others find that internal harmony. I will be turning my scholarly paper on oxymoronic identity components into an article soon, so look out for that. And of course, this is all my story and path and thoughts on matters of identity. However well informed my thoughts may be, you may or may not agree with me. So remember, reach out at gordon at vervecoach.com. Let me know what you're thinking out there. Now, always remembering here in the podcast that your path and big picture, although our paths may cross or intermingle, is unique to you. And I hope that you find my content valuable in creating and maintaining your vision and fulfilling your mission.
Again, let me know how you feel at gordon at vervecoach.com. Now on to this episode's content. I have added a little bit to the title at this point of this episode. It was called Identity Components or Opponents. And I added a little tidbit. Let's dig in and take a look. So I've invoked the term let's dig in and take a look to provide some levity and lightheartedness based on an old joke from a comedian friend of mine who would invite the audience to take a big dip inside Lake U. Although some would say amusing, others might say cheesy, it is vital that we have a great idea of who we really are, and at the very least, be striving toward that greater understanding of who we are. I've dug in for a while now. If that's proper, I've dug in for a while. It really started when my dad passed away some 13 years ago, and I suddenly found myself thrust into a true family leadership role. Although my mom, like most moms, held final sway over all matters relative to her, my dad, and their children. So I'm going to focus in this episode on my own seemingly conflicting identity facets. And please remember that I don't tell these stories and anecdotes to be Johnny Cool Guy, but because they are relative to my messaging and the big picture, and within this podcast series in connecting everything to real-life examples. Now, a lot of this story has to do with me coming up during the first American Civil Rights Movement because I consider that we are currently in the second American Civil Rights Movement. And I had a white cop dad and a mom with parents who immigrated from Mexico. Now, my father did work riot lines and crowd control. And at the same time, I had cousins that were members of the Brown Berets and Corky Gonzalez Viva La Raza movement. Quite a seemingly conflicting way to grow up, but we all got along, and my folks got along with all the cousins, aunts and uncles and everything, and we would see each other at parties and stuff, and there were no hard feelings. As a matter of fact, my father, after a particularly rough night of uh, protesting, ran into some of my cousins, his own family, that were being held as protesters. And they had a very brief chat, but upbeat chat, no hard feelings. And they each uh, went about their business. Of course, my father was coming home and they weren't going home until the next day. But very interesting and challenging dynamic. And I'm going to expand on my father's narrative in the next episode, Father's Fantastic. But coming back around, I had mentioned earlier that I had some very strong women as influencers early on, and one of them was my grandma on my mom's side, my mom Alita. I spent a lot of time with her, and I stayed over weekends with her from a very early age. We'd go to church, and we'd walk the neighborhood after church and go to the family restaurant for lunch. Then she would have one of the staff from the restaurant drive us home. Mama Lita hailed from Durango, near where Pancho Villa was from, and they had to flee in the night from revolutionaries, and her father got them as far as El Paso, where he passed away from a serious illness. The rest of the family ended up settling in Colorado, up in the northern area around Greeley, 
there was a big flood and they moved down to Denver where my mamalita met my grandfather and they married, had a family and he became a very successful restaurateur owning uh, a group of restaurants and a Mexican food product factory. One of Denver's first Mexican food restaurant chains as well as factories. Now I got to go to Mexico or what I'll call the fatherland for that side of my family. And the deal was that my grandmother, Mamalita, would take a couple of cousins on a trip each summer. And most times it was to Disneyland, California, the beaches, things like that. I was the only one of the cousins that got to go to Mexico. And I was the only one of the cousins that got to go on a trip with Mamalita by myself, except for my uncle who was driving. So we went down into Mexico, and I very vividly remember some things, a lot of things actually, but a few things very vividly. I remember having a hamburger in an open-air adobe restaurant, and of course it was all Mexican food, but they did serve hamburgers, but there was no ketchup. So I had mustard on the hamburger, which was just kind of weird for an American kid. I also remember seeing some movies in an open-air movie theater, Just like a regular movie theater, only it had no roof on it. Again, for a kid that age, awesome stuff and lots of snacks that I had not experienced before. I also remember driving through miles and miles of giant prickly pear with giant prickly pear fruit. And I remember stopping and we cut some fruit and it was delicious and we went about our business. Another thing that was very cool for me was my first trip to a state fair, pretty much like American State Fair, but I had never been to one before, so I found that to be a pretty awesome experience as well. Another little anecdote here, there was a a large parade, and I'm not sure why exactly. Um, I remember I was there in the late summer, early fall, but the parade consisted of group after group of school kids in uniform and they'd be marching by there'd be a group of school kids and then a drum and bugle corps more school kids drum and bugle corps more school kids drum and bugle corps and I remember the parade was quite long and at one point my aunt leaned over and said something in my ear that I didn't quite hear and she was a native Mexican native Spanish speaker and knew some English and what I heard was This is what happens if you lie. And to my little tiny brain, I thought, oh, wow, when you lie in school, they take you out and they march you in front of everyone all around the city. What she actually said was, this is like your 4th of July celebration. So many lessons learned, lots of fun experiences. But those visits to my grandmother's house and that trip to Mexico were not the only influencers. We also spent summer visits in Ogden, Utah, my father's hometown, and it was a uh, Mayberry-like small-town environment. Um, If you're not familiar with Mayberry, look up the Andy Griffith show set in the town of Mayberry. And it's a place where Sundays meant church in the morning, ice cream after church, Home to relax and wait for an early dinner being prepared by the ladies. And then possibly a late supper. Sometimes we'd have green apple battles across the fence with my grandparents' back neighbors. 
after dinner, playing outside with the neighbor kids, was awesome. There was an entire corner covered with honeysuckle vines and flowers. If you've never experienced the scent of honeysuckle, you're in for a treat. Give it a try. And the bees and hummingbirds love them too. It was really just an ideal small town environment, very peaceful, very warm and inviting. But you can probably see some level of conflict here for a kid and seemingly later for this adult. You know, my mother was coming into a uh, conservative small white community in the 1950s being the child of Mexican immigrants. I grew up in the lovely new suburbs of the late 1950s, 1960s, into the early 1970s. And there was lots of new schools and parks, a lot of shiny stuff, but not a lot of social diversity. A very rich background, yet bringing about the need to hide identity facets. So we're coming back around to those identity facets or components And there were times, and there are times for all of us, I believe, that we have to hide identity facets to get membership into certain spaces. Now, I did a lot of straddling relationships with my white friends versus my Chicano friends in high school. And some of this straddling and conflict involved cultural things, creative things, and some of it was gender-related as well. I had uh, my Chicano clothes, and they consisted of some high-waisted, giant elephant bell pants with platform shoes, big wide belt, a uh, polyester fake silk shirt unbuttoned halfway down, and a medallion. And then I had my white boy clothes. And that consisted of straight leg Levi corduroys, Converse tennis shoes or lace-up hard shoes, a button-down collar shirt tucked in, and that's how I rolled. And so for looking at a high school kid, and these days um, adolescence is considered up through age 26. So looking at a high school kid with these socializations and trying to navigate and negotiate what seemed to be such conflicting identity components. I went to work in the family restaurant, and I started as a dishwasher, but it was not long before I became head cook. And so the experience of being the boss's nephew um, and as such receiving special privilege from the kitchen supervisor, my name went, for her, my name went from Gordon, to golden, to golden boy. Pretty cute, eh? Um, You can imagine that it really aggravated my co-workers, who most of which had been there longer than I had been and just really didn't like that sappy nickname. So it was interesting. I had good friends there, and it was a pretty diverse environment. So let's bring this forward a little bit. And I had mentioned in my first episode of the podcast series Big Picture You that I'd gone back to college in 2009. My professional and life's path totally changed. In a matter of months, I went from an IT manager in a professional legal environment to the path I am on now, currently with six years in professional practice. 
I belonged to a variety of student organizations while in college, the Hispanic Scholarship Fund, Ethnic Studies Student Organization, Student Government Association, and I was also a peer mentor to domestic and international students. There were also a variety of friends that I met in the Educational Opportunity Office that helped me, in addition to these organizations, negotiate the feelings I was having even at the later stage of life when I had returned to school. A lot of amazing young people and advisors that really helped me dig in and discover my identity facets, many times simply through friendship and allowing me membership. It was not just their support, but it was also their modeling, both personal and professional. Through my studies and university pursuits, I went through a process of maturation and reckoning that led to greater harmony, personal positivity, and performance of best self. Again, this was my path. It may not be the right path for everyone. However, the foundational and core values that I've put together and called the 11 energies of the verve have indeed brought me greater levels of success and will also bring you greater levels of success in life and are applicable no matter what positive path you are on. So many things came out of that university experience and my engagement in a lot of different activities, groups, and my schoolwork, of course. And I believe that somehow I was chosen to fulfill a mission in helping others work through challenges, as well as work to bring about greater social equity and harmony through building greater internal harmony. I also believe that uh, my grandmother, my mamalita, chose me to bring the Latino heritage of the family forward as a way to help me do my work in bringing about greater social equity and harmony through first building greater internal harmony. This is why I do the work I do across such a broad spectrum of demographics, businesses, and institutions. There is something to say about coming to realize that there is strength in these multiple identity facets and components. Not a weakness, as I believed early on, and uh, honestly through a good part of my adulthood. And it did create internal conflict well into my adulthood. Now I sincerely, and that is energy of the verb number five, sincerity, I sincerely admire folks that uh, seem to be very well-adjusted, without long processes or a lot of hoopla. But that wasn't me. So down this path I've come, and what a great path it is. I also believe that a lot of other folks can benefit from my work and experience as well. One of my college mentors once told me, Gordon, because that's my name, You should use your built-in privilege, experience, expertise, and education to open doors and bring opportunities to others. That made a lot of sense to me. She also told me that the rewards will be many and great, and they really have been. Now, I'm paraphrasing from a much longer conversation that happened a while ago, but that's the gist of it. And I'll say now that it is difficult to get in touch with all of our own ever-flowing and shifting identity facets and components, it has all been impossible to guess those of others. 
but we surely do try to guess and fill in blanks when we are uninformed, oftentimes producing not so favorable results. The judging a book by its cover dynamic comes into play here. And I'm going to do an episode later this year about exactly how the brain fills in gaps and the science behind it. I'll also get into the repercussions of these automatic fill-ins and talk about some not-so-favorable results. I'll also offer some tips for conditioning yourself for the most favorable, well-being, and harmonious outcomes and best-informed and supported positive automatic fill-ins. At this point, I'd like to swing back around and relate our conversation and content to some energies of the verve. And I've been working on a little color psychology. So I'm going to tell a little bit about the color and then the relationship of the energy to this episode's focus of identity. First one I'm going to touch on is energy number four, openness. And this is represented by turquoise. Turquoise symbolizes calm and opens up communication from the heart to the spoken word. I love that passage. It also helps create emotional balance and stability. Turquoise is good for healing the heart, building confidence, and aiding in approachability. It also represents a bit about being open to change, quite a bit actually, about being open to change, new ideas, and open to interacting with others and to their stories. We all have stories we like to have ours heard, and we need to be respectful to other folks' stories as well. I'm going to bounce right along here to energy number six, truth, which we touched on earlier in the broadcast, and its color assignment is blue. Blue inspires peace, tranquility, stability, harmony, unity, trust, truth, It backs up turquoise with inspiring confidence, and it inspires loyalty. Now, here's an interesting tidbit. Blue represents sky, water, and technology. Now, if we want to think about truth and untruths and technology, think about our devices and how we can be truthful or not truthful through the aid of technology and our devices. We also need to look at truths about ourselves others, and the world around us. And some truths are difficult to accept, and you may be reluctant to accept some truths, whether they be positive or negative. Let's go ahead and connect those two with energy number seven, self-value. And coming from the blue family again, self-value is represented by dark blue. Dark blue symbolizes integrity, knowledge, power, and seriousness versus good humor and fun time. What's it worth to you to become more positive? Now we're looking at self-value here. What's it worth to you to become better adjusted and able to accomplish more tasks and goals than ever before? Why you? Why me? Why not you and me? Why not a super successful big picture us? You are worth the work and you surely 
deserve the benefits. At this point, we got to bump on along to energy number 10, courage. So vital. Courage is represented by the color purple. Purple represents transformation, wisdom, enlightenment, high levels of spirituality, a bit of a penchant for mystery. Purple represents honor and temperance. This is a cool piece here. It combines the calm stability of blue and the fierce energy of red. My favorite color is blue and my wife's favorite color is red. The color purple also inspires dignity, devotion, peace, and pride. It also calms the mind and nerves. Increasing sensitivity and encouraging imagination and creativity are two huge representations of the color purple. Now, it takes huge amounts of courage to build a system of behavior that allows you to confront conflict and at the same time produce personal positivity and performance of best self. My song, Counting Down for Courage, has been mentioned a few times in past episodes, and we've heard it play through in one of the episodes, and primarily a kid's tune for mustering up some additional courage, but some adults are telling me that they're using it too. They're singing it around in their head or out loud before they confront challenging situations to give them a little boost of courage. This is truly an amazing mix of energies. And you know what? I'm going to go ahead and tell you why. Energy of the verb number four, openness. Be open to digging in to discover the real you. This leads us into energy number six, truth. Discovering, revealing, and acknowledging positive and negative truths, as well as beneficial and obstructive truths. Admit and face these truths as a method of building energy of the verb number seven, self-value, whereby you truly see yourself as a person of great value, capable and deserving of wonderful things in life. Through this mix of energies, you will enjoy heightened levels of confidence and productivity. On to energy of the verb number 10 and the connection to the other three, courage. Of course, all of this takes vast amounts of courage. Always remembering that the amount of courage you can raise may be exactly relative to the perceived obstacle or threat. This allows you to rise to great heights of courage when needed. Infinite amounts of courage. And at this point in the broadcast, I have to once again mention the fun activity that will allow you to get a gauge on where you stand in navigating and managing all of the 11 energies of the verb, as well as the four we've talked about in the episode today. There is a free 11 energies revelation tool on my website, www.vervecoach.com. And again, some of you have heard this before, but for our new listeners, just go ahead and click the menu item, 11 energies. About a quarter of the way down the page, click the link to the energy revelation tool and you'll be taken there. It's included in the back of my book as well, which I will mention a little more in detail shortly. 
Now, of course, a primary function of this podcast series is to educate one another, share our knowledge, our narratives, and our experience with one another. So please reach out to me at gordon at vervecoach.com. Let's get some conversations started. And we got to have some fun, some difficult, but let's make it all engaging. As always, I mention the 11 energies of the verb from time to time and relate them to certain things, content, and discussion, sometimes more than other times. Now, these are simply foundational values, guidelines, and signposts that promote personal positivity and a performance of best self. And I'm going to be devoting entire episodes to each of these values and covering the ways they relate to one another and to our lives. There is an article out, and you can access it on my website at the media page, called Empower Your Heart of Hearts. It's a quick and pretty easy read, and it offers some tips on conditioning and strengthening your spiritual and emotional heart of hearts. So you can check it out on my website media page or on LinkedIn if you are a connection. I mentioned my book earlier. The 11 Energies of the Verve, A Journey of Personal Positivity and Performance of Best Self. Really a wonderful piece to refer back to after you've once read it, to keep on hand. Use it as a reminder. Again, great signposts and guides as well as foundational values. The book is available through Amazon. Just search 11 Energies of the Verve and you could tack on there A Journey of Personal Positivity and performance of best self, but you should be able to find it under 11 Energies of the Verve. Be sure to get the second issue with the 11 graphic on the front. The one with the sun in hand on the front should be out of print. I've seen some used copies circulating, and I've actually bought up some, so they're not out there running around. Um, the audiobook will be out soon. Very, very exciting news. This is really going to be a great process, and uh, will be produced right here in the VCG broadcast booth within the VCG building. The book includes a lot of self-wellness and motivational content. There's some fun and dynamic photos, some cool infographics, and a bunch of suggested wellness activities and routines. Again, some of you have probably heard this, but for our new listeners, give it a go, would ya? thanks again to everyone who contributed to this episode. Again, comments, questions, issues, suggestions for interviews, or ideas for future programs can be sent to info at vervecoach.com. And as I mentioned a few times throughout the broadcast, we're going to be paying tribute to some strong male influencers and hearing from dads next episode as they share a little about their dad experience in episode six of Big Picture You called Father's Fantastic. I've mentioned earlier also that I would talk a little more about the theme music in my song called Durango. It is in honor of my grandmother. And it's kind of bringing last episode's mommy theme forward in the form of grandma in order to help us make stronger connections between episodes, my music, and the messaging. This is a song I wrote to honor my grandmother as she was from Durango, Mexico, as I mentioned earlier. 
The song will play through in its entirety at the end of this episode for your listening pleasure. And feel free to share with other folks. A full library of my music can be found at soundcloud.com. And it's uh, quite a history. I've got four full albums out there right now. Be working on the fifth soon. Little bit of business. All content, text, and music are copyright Verve Coach Gordon, unless otherwise cited. It's been a pleasure, folks. Thanks so much for tuning in to another episode, and thanks for sticking with me. Listener numbers are increasing, and I truly could not be more appreciative. The theme song Durango will play in its entirety after the finish of this episode. And in closing out this fifth episode of the podcast series Big Picture You, the episode Identity Components or Identity Opponents. Remember, kindness is beautiful in creating an awesome Big Picture You, Big Picture Me, and Big Picture Us. Be well, my friends.